All right, kids, you can head on out if you're going to celebrate kids because you're going to move forward with that story, and we in here are going to talk about this creation story. So let me explain how we're going to do things this fall, or at least what we're thinking at this point, and that is that um, the kids will be going through the same story that we're going through, and um, we have that what the words from that story are from the Jesus Storybook Bible, the video we saw. And so we aren't going to get to every Old Testament story in this each week in the fall. There's not enough Sundays to, to cover that. But what we have is a bookmark where you can see um, which stories we're going to be doing next. So this happens to be, this week we happen to have this story that we're doing, a story that's before it, and the story that we're going to do next week. And then after that, there'll be at least one story. It'll be the story we're going to do ne the next week, or maybe multiple stories that are, that are in here. So I'd encourage you, uh, especially if you have kids, to get the bookmark, maybe get the book. We've got them for $10 there. When we're going with uh, how to read the Bible or or um, Bible-centered discipleship, we would say to, to people, the Bible can be confusing. You start reading, and Genesis is not so bad if you start reading from the beginning because you got some stories going and stories going, but then all of a sudden you get woven in these instructions about the tabernacle or laws and codes or genealogies, and when you keep reading, sometimes the stories repeat, and how does this all fit together? And if you want to get the picture of the big story, I think this is great. And then within every story, there is a way in, in which uh, it speaks to me. So as we had our kids were younger, we would read this. I read a lot of different children's Bible. This was the best one. And oftentimes I'd be like, wow, that was really good for me. So whether you have kids or not, I would encourage you to consider reading this to get the big picture and to go along with it. Now in here, after hearing the story that's from this, we will go to the Bible and take out some parts of that story uh, to emphasize it. And what we're going to do, though, is go to the essence of this. So we're going to be talking about Old Testament stories. That's the stories that come before Jesus was born. And yet we're calling this series the Jesus story. We're calling this series the Jesus story because it is the backdrop, the setting, the context for Jesus coming in. And because the stories point to him. Two paragraphs from this book, from the chapter before what we just watched on the video. The first is, and, and what they say in this first chapter is it says, a lot of people think about the Bible as rules and rules. It's not a rule book. There are some commands, some guides, some wisdom, some ways to live that are in there, yes. But it's not primarily a rule book. And it's not primarily a book about heroes, even in the Old Testament. Most of the people in the Old Testament didn't do well. And even the ones that were the heroes didn't do well all the time. No, the stories are pointing to something else. Here are two paragraphs from it. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. 
All the stories, even in the Old Testament, are pointing to Jesus. And Jesus points us to and shows us what God is like. So, going back to this story, this is the story of creation. It's the very beginning of, of what we have as the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is just a huge statement for understanding reality. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't need the heavens and the earth. He isn't the earth. He isn't creation. So sometimes people kind of worship the earth and creation. He is distinct from that. He stands over it. He made it all. In the beginning, he was here. He was just fine before anything was created. He existed. Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's the introduction. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. The light was good, and he says, I'm separating it. Light is good. There's nothing bad in the light when God said, let there be light. God called the light day, and the darkness called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, this first day, I want to talk about some of the patterns that go through the next six days as God created there's lots of repeat, repetitive language in each day in what he says. I want to point out two of the things that are repeated throughout every time he creates. And the first one is that uh, he, God would say, and it was so. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a, an expanse, a vault, a firmament that creates a sky, and it was so. God said, let there be land, and it was so. God said, let there be creatures that come forth, and it was so. God spoke, and his word spoke, and things happened. They came into existence. Now, God could have just thought them into existence. He's God. He could have just thought Why is it significant? Because it says it over and over again that he spoke it. His word came, and then things came into existence. Why is that important? Well, a thought is like you know, private reflection, private contemplation. But a spoken word is public communication, and it invites relationship. So God is over creation. He's distinct from creation. He's totally different than creation, and yet he is interacting in relationship with creation. And that's the importance of him speaking. The second pattern that I want to point out today that's through the whole next six days is that he saw what he created, so he spoke it, it existed, and he saw and said, it's good. Everything he spoke into existence, it was good. It was good. It was good. Every single thing. And he created a lot of things. He created a lot of different things. We got two dogs. They're good. Most of the time. This is before the fall, you know. They're good. But I am fascinated by two dogs. 
the way they look, the way they run, the way they sit, the way, it's just like, they're just interesting to me. These two dogs, they're the same breed, but they're so different, even though they're the same breed. And they have different personalities, even though they're the same breed. And we're just talking about one breed of dogs. There's lots of dogs. They're good. There's lots of elephants. There's lots of mammals. They're mostly good. We won't bring up cats, but they're mostly good. <laughs> just all the different things, the variety that he brings. My son worked at a prairie seed company farm this summer. And so I start learning about native prairie to our area and the different species just in our area and the different beauty, the different pictures. Like, that's just in our little area. Now go to all these parts, all the different plants, all the different... He, he created so many things. And it was good. Now, there is a pattern to the days. So day one... He creates light because it was formless. The earth was formless. In day four, he puts the sun, the moon, the stars. He fills with lights because it was empty. Day two, he does waters and the sky because it was formless and he brought form to it. And then day five, there's fish and birds. Day six, Dry land, because it was formless, but now there's a form, and then, or no, day three is that, and then day six, there's animals, and there's humans. There is this pattern to these six days of how God created, how he spoke things, and they were good. Now, humans are on the sixth day, and they're like animals. In some ways, we're like animals. We breathe, we move, we eat. We reproduce. There's all kinds of things that are like animals, and yet we are distinct from animals. We think, we envision, we have communication, we can plan, we can all these things, and God separates out how he creates compared to everything else. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God creates human beings and we just like get put into creation. Here, go have at it. Like govern it. Develop it. Work with it. Enjoy it. There's just all of this. Now, when he creates us, he could keep things so simple, right? Like to eat. To eat, we would just need like, we could just have a, you know, we need energy. Well, there could be like a pill we take or we could, you know, stick our finger in a socket like a smartphone. This is how we fill up with energy. Instead, what he decides, what he thinks would be good is if there would be food that we could consume. Now, he could just pick one food, and it could be just this bland thing, and it's, again, this is how we get energy. But instead, he gives this variety of food. Wouldn't it be good if there's food that tastes all kinds of different ways? And wouldn't it be good if it could look good to us? And wouldn't it be good if you can walk 
up to the house and smell the grill or walk into the house and smell something baking. Like, he doesn't have to do it that way. But this is how he created things, that it was good. Just in food, there is this human eye can see between 7 and 10 million variations of color. Like, he does like, look at this. This is a gift for you. He does things with order. One of the patterns uh, that repeats in there is that, you know, according to their likeness, according to their kind. And so there are things that are, you know, the same. There are insects. And we know there's insects. But there's like 90,000 different species of insects. So in one way, they're the same. And in the other way, they're still filled with variety. A snowflake is a snowflake. There's something the same about a snowflake, and yet no snowflake is alike. And then that is true of human beings as well. That we would be human beings all created in his image, all with this you get to go be in the creation that I have made for you. But none of us the same. It's good. That's why I kept saying it's good. This is good. I'm creating you means. They're good. I like it. I'm going to create stuff they can enjoy. It's good. At growing up Lutheran, a phrase that was pounded into my head is that we are saved by grace. It is a gift from God. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our way to be, be uh, forgiven, our way to be connected with God, our way to have eternal life. We can't earn it. We are saved by grace. But what I never remember hearing is we were made by grace. Like just our life itself, just humanity existing itself was just a gift. And then he puts us in this place full of all these things that are good, that are gifts. I mean, next week we'll get to the fact that there's a fall, and so it's, there's a, it's a mixed deal now, but just like, let's not lose sight of the fact that he created it as good, as a gift. A couple more verses. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. After he making human beings, he said, now it's very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed. They were finished in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished doing the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So there was an introduction in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless and void and empty and dark. And then day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, in a pattern with order, but with all kinds of variety, he created things. He spoke them into existence and they were so, and they were good. Every single thing was good. And then he says, human beings, see all this goodness? Well, you're really good, and so I want you to have it. I want you to be part of it. I want you to take care of it. Now, what does any of this have to do with Jesus? Every story whispers his name. For help with that, I want to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1 starts... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So now, in the beginning, what else starts in the beginning? Genesis, we just read it. 
And so if you look at Wikipedia or read a certain article, there will be hyperlinks in it where you're looking at something and you can click on this and it will reference you back to a different topic. It's the same concept here. Like he starts in the beginning on purpose. He wants you thinking about Genesis. Wants you thinking about creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word, well, in creation, God spoke in His Word, and things came into existence, and they were good. Okay, let's be thinking about that when He's talking about the Word here. How can something be with God and God? I don't know. It's a mystery. But if you think about our words and our relationship to us, it gives a little bit of a picture. Like when I speak something, it's out here now. I am thirsty. I speak that. Someone else in the room hears that word that I've spoken that's out there and responds to the word. Thirsty. Hey, I can get you a drink and brings it to me. Now, the word is distinct from me, but the word is also connected because it came from me, and now the person that's interacting and responding to the word, but they're also in relationship to me. Anyway, we're starting to get really heady, but that might be helpful for some people because this is kind of a mystery. But now remember, in the beginning, we're thinking about Genesis. What are the next two verses? He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Clearly, the introduction is setting us up to think about creation when we're thinking about the word. Verse 4, in him, in the word, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, we're also still in, back in creation. First thing is light. First thing is light separating out the darkness. It is good. Now, there's darkness in the world again, and the word comes, and he comes into the world, and there's light, and the darkness can't overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. This is John the Baptist coming to say, the word who came into the world is the light. He has life with him, and he's the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. He made it. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The light comes into the world. Some people don't receive him. Whoever does receive him become children of God. Verse 14, the word, we're still talking about the word, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the literal translation is that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. It's like a verb form of the tabernacle. Now again, so if you're, if you're blind, 
your other senses are sharpened. Right? You can feel, you can hear, you can smell. You're, you're relying more on your other senses, and so they tend to be sharper. Those senses tend to be sharper than in a person who can see. Similarly, people who are hearing this for the first time, they aren't, most of them aren't literate. They aren't reading books. They can't Google this or Google that. So when a story is told, they pay attention to the patterns. They pay attention to the patterns. And so in this, they would say, tabernacle? Oh, when did the tabernacle show up? Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Okay, so we're thinking about that. And what was the tabernacle? Well, the tabernacle was the place that we came to worship, the place we came to pray, the place that we came to draw near to God through sacrifice. We came close. And then in the end of Exodus, the glory of God comes down and fills the tabernacle because heaven and earth are becoming one because God himself is coming there in a significant way, in a tangible way, in a way to be near his people that they can interact with him. Okay, so when the word became flesh and tabernacled and brought glory, oh, this is like heaven and earth coming together. This is like we can draw near to him. This is like he is here with us. Okay, next verse. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. All right, two things. One is that is like a mouthful to say. What's he even talking about? But the other thing is like, why are we talking about John again? We talked about John back then. Why are we talking about him again? I don't know, but what he's pointing to, John's saying, is this human being, even though he came after me as a human being afterwards, he was already before me because he has already existed because he is the word of God, the son of God, the one who existed and brought creation into being. Verse 16, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Flat out, the word that we're talking about. The word that spoke things into existence, the word that made it good, the word that said light, we're going to bring light now instead of just darkness, that word is Jesus Christ. He came in. God, from God, human being. Now, I talked about the sensitivity that people might have to patterns. This has the Genesis pattern to it. So the introduction in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then there are six sections. Part one, the Word comes, and with the Word is light. You know, life and light, we're getting to Genesis and creation as the Word comes. But then when we get a little bit to section four, it's the Word and, ooh, that's a typo, the Word and glory. Because the Exodus tabernacle, he comes and brings glory. Now, part two, we get John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes to testify. We can go to part two. Part five, we're back to John the Baptist. Testimony. Oh, again, people that were rec- the, the oral listeners who knew the Bible and were hearing this, like, this is a pattern like the Genesis story. Part three says, some, rec- some didn't receive him, some did receive him. 
if they received him, they became children of God. Part six says we receive him, and so we receive grace upon grace because we received him. That he's already given us. Not because we've done anything, not because we've earned it, not because he is going to say you've got to do this. I'm holding it. It's just we received him, and we get grace upon grace. So if you remember the first creation account, the pattern was introduction, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day one and four, day two and five, day three and six are related. We've just went through an introduction, part one, two, three, four, five, six, part one and four are related, part two and five are related, part three and six are related. And then in Genesis, there is a like concluding statement where it is finished, and God rests, everything is finished. Verse 18, the concluding statement, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. No one's seen God, but God, but the Son who is in the lap of God, in the closest relationship with God, has made him known. All our English translations are going to say it that way, has made him known, but the Greek does not have the word him there. Now, it's implied from the context, so it's not bad to have it in there. But if you are a person listening to the pattern, how this reads at the end is, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with God has made known dot, dot, dot. Like, you would... You feel like everything is flowing into this pattern, and so the pattern should end with it, uh, it's finished. It's completed, and instead, it doesn't really end. It just sets up the story that now is the rest of the Gospel of John. And so you would pay attention to that until you get another hyperlink in the story of John, which comes way at the end. Jesus is on the cross. John chapter 19 when he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That word, in, when Genesis was originally in Hebrew, but when it was, by Jesus' time, it was also, there was a Greek translation, so the same word that Jesus says, it is finished, is Genesis 1, and then he was finished. Everything was complete. He was finished. It was good. And when Jesus dies on the cross, a broken world, all of a sudden, he has paid a price to make things right, and it is finished. He came to bring new creation. He came to restore creation, that everything would be good again. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, anyone who's received Jesus Christ is a new creation, or the new creation has come, depending on the translation. The old is gone, the new is come. It's new creation. For all who receive him, now we're back on the path to how things were always were supposed to be, how they were in the beginning, which was so good, which was grace upon grace, which is look at all this stuff. Because I want relationship with you, and you can be my child. In Galatians chapter 6, it's time about circumcision or not circumcision, the rules of the law, all those things. None of that counts, it says. The only thing that counts is the new creation, that God who's good and who created things good, not to get anything out of it, 
Not because he needs anything from us, but just because he loves us. He brought things into being to show goodness and goodness and grace and grace and to be in closest relationship. It's a new creation. So to all who've received him, this is our destiny. Like, we can see now the good. There's lots of good. There's also lots that's not good. But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be a day when there's no more pain, no more tears, no more death. That is what's coming. So how it started is how it's going to end. New creation. And Jesus is the way that this all came about. Sometimes they talk about the first Adam compared to the second Adam. Like a new humanity is coming. Who's part of the new humanity? Whoever receives him. Whoever says yes to him. So a couple things that I'd like us to consider. You know, what do we do with this? This is great, but what do we do with this? One thing would be to receive and keep receiving him. The one who made us. The one who came for us. All motives being good. Everything about it being good. And grace. And a gift. And he says, do you want me? And I says, well, some like their darkness better. I would rather, you know, stick with the idolatry, keep producing, keep consuming entertainment stuff. You know, those aren't all bad things. Creation is good. It's just we can make them idols. Working is good. Being productive is good. It's just there also is like a Sabbath. There's a place of like, it's not the final thing, the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is to enjoy the creation. Consuming things is good. He says, eat freely. Here it is. Here's creation. But it's like that is not what's going to satisfy our soul ultimately. We are invited into relationship with God. And so all of these created things are meant to point to him. So will we receive him and then enjoy and give thanks for all the things he's given to us? It's, it's a lot. Even in, a, even in this broken side, it's a lot. So as you go hunting, notice things. I mean, I go up paddleboarding up at my brother's cabin and there's a loon like, there's all kinds of birds around Red Rock, but loons are not down here. Loons are cool. Loons are real, they're good. To watch them die, to watch them fly, to watch their sound, or to listen to their sound, it's, it is good. That's just one thing that God created to say, here you go. Here's my world. We could do that with anything, as you're harvesting, as you're cleaning up around the, the house this fall, as you're watching the leaves, Leaves go, all, just keep remembering, this is pointing to a God who's good, who's made all this stuff. That's what it's pointing to. So let's keep remembering that and giving thanks for that. I invite the worship team back up. And as they're coming, to prepare for our closing time of worship, let's just invite God. God, show us, remind us, bring to mind 
the goodness of your creation, the good things you've given us. The ways that you have brought about things that we can interact with, that we can even govern, be responsible for, organize, coordinate, but not have to be in total control because you are the one who stands over all. You, it's your world. Things that bring beauty and joy and encouragement, thank you for those. Would you start bringing them to mind, Lord? And as they come to mind, would you just thank him? What can we be thankful for? God, thank you most of all for people. You have created people uniquely, each person. An imprint from you on each person. Something good from you in each person. So as different people come to mind, I give thanks to their creator for them. Thank you, God, that you want us to be part of your family, that you want each person that we were thinking of and thankful for to be part of your family. May it be so. May we receive you. May we be part of helping others receive you. And all your goodness, just overflowing goodness, Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your love for us allows us to love you. And we say that we do now. In Jesus' name, amen.